0: Hello there, this is Guru, talking to you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain how. First off, it is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more providers. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast, live from San Jose, California. I'm your co-host, Guru Ram Prakash, and uh, along with me, sitting with me live in San Jose, California, in the comfort of his home, is uh, Vikram Khanth. Vikram, how are you
1: doing? I'm doing really good, Guru. Small point of clarification, Guru is also sitting in the comfort of my home, so we're (laughs) having a good time so far. (laughs) <laughs> it's been a long week, but I'm happy to talk some basketball tonight. Yeah, I and mean, I'm happy you're here,
0: like, and not over Skype. I mean, it's great to have this one. Oh, yeah. The quality's great. way better. Yeah, yeah. quality's sure. way better. Conversations better. Everything's better. And um, with that, uh, we want to go into the topics that we're going to talk about. But uh, uh, again, this is a reminder to all our listeners: please do subscribe to us. We are on Apple Podcast and Google Play. Again, it is the Ballistic Podcast that is spelled Ballistic, B-A-L-L-I-S-T-I-C, Podcast. And if you were to search that up on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, you would find us and you would be able to subscribe, right, Vikram? Right, yep, there.
1: subscribe, leave us a review, leave us a comment. And uh, just to point it out to all of you, if you want to get in touch with us, you can leave us a comment, but you can also now send us an email at ballisticpodcast at gmail.com. Please if you have questions, comments, concerns, have anything you want us to talk about, wanna start a dialogue with us, feel free to shoot us an email. We will definitely respond.
0: Yeah, and we're we're also into like topic ideas, right? So if you if you find a topic out there that you want us to talk about that's not necessarily on the radar, we'll definitely consider it. Like we're we're all for the people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If there's stuff you want us to talk about, we're totally willing to do it and we're going to. So uh, we have a few topics to cover today, Guru. Uh, I think the first is... Right,
0: and uh, before I get into that, was your big announcement from last week that... what Was it this? Was yeah, it that you were going to send, thing. A, going, going that to us send us up an email? email thing. That, yeah. Oh my God,
1: that's... That's, <laughs> that's a big announcement. We didn't have one.
0: Yeah, that's so anticlimactic, though. Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean,
1: you created an it's email. It's anticlimactic, like the Lakers season.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, see, I see that segue there, yeah, and, I, yeah, and, I, yeah, and I love good. it. So uh, we, we have several topics that we're going to go into. Uh, one of them is one that Vikram just mentioned right now, the Lakers and the Celtics. And uh, the topic is uh, two iconic franchises and two shitty circumstances. So we're going to get into that very soon. And we're also going to talk about the Bucks having a big week, big Friday, really. Yep. And uh, we're going to get into what, what they did on that Friday and why it's very consequential. And we're also going to have uh, this edition of the Rookie Report. We're going to talk some uh, Trey Young and some other rookies that have really been ca- catching our eye um, a- at this point. And uh, then we're going to talk about um, fan-player relations. And that has to do with uh, Russell Westbrook approaching a fan uh, at the uh, Nuggets-Thunder game that happened this past week. We want to get into that. But uh, for our first topic is the Lakers and the Celtics. And uh, they are going through hell right now. yeah. I, I mean, I don't wanna, I don't want to say hell, but they're not playing very well. And in the, in the sense of the Celtics, I mean, they're still going to be in the playoffs. And if they are able to turn it around by then, like all of this might be forgotten. But the Lakers have big, uh, like there are big, big consequences for the losses that they're facing right now. And uh, they might not make the playoffs. So, I mean, Vikram, I'm going to turn it over to you. Like, Who okay. do you want to talk about first? I mean, I know you're a Laker fan. First of
1: all, yeah. how the mighty have fallen. That's the my big takeaway is both of these teams were you know, projected to do quite well. Now the Celtics have had their set of issues. The Lakers had, of course, the LeBron James injury. And I think very clearly, had LeBron James been playing in all their games, they would have definitely made the playoffs. But that aside, my hot take for this week is, the Lakers are not going to be making the playoffs. Oh, no. And I don't think LeBron James wins another championship in his career. What? I think that is that is my wait, 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 clear hey, indication wait, wait, wait. at this
0: point. Hold up. LeBron still has three three more years. Why do you think he does not win a championship for the rest? Of- is, is it the way that he's looked personally? No, I think um,
1: it's mostly the decisions the Lakers have made. And they have very little wiggle room to acquire another free agent. They have very little uh, room to acquire another big talent to pair around, around LeBron. And this is the first time I've watched LeBron. He looks much, much more human. I don't think he can go 82 games and be uh, and be able to be amazing on both ends of the floor. I just think it's too much of a physical toll for him at this point. That's not to say like what he's doing night in, night out is not amazing. It is. But at some point, he's 34 years old. He's not going to be any better two years from now than he is now. And to say that you know, even if they get A D this summer, and that actually dovetails into the Celtics part of this, but even if they get A D at the cost of trading their entire young core, are they capable of surrounding him with enough talent to make it possible for him to win a championship? I would say probably not. Plus he had a lot of these cryptic comments this year about, you know, is basketball the most important thing in your life? Like there, there are a lot of interesting things that he has said and done. And uh, with all the other media work that his company is doing and stuff like that, I don't know, like right now, whether or not there are there's a long-term chance for uh, for a championship in uh, for LeBron James in LA.
0: And, and it's interesting you bring up the the team that's going to be situated around LeBron because that sort of burden falls on the Lakers' brain trust, and that brain yeah. trust can, consists of Rob Palinka and Magic Johnson, a, a couple of guys who. Don't have much general managing experience, and uh, and that has shown. I mean, so so far they yeah. haven't really developed their players, their young players, to the to the point where they can tag along with LeBron and lead. I mean, and build a playoff squad. They still struggle struggle to win on the road. Why do they struggle to win on the road? They've lost to the Pelicans on the road, the Hawks, the the Grizzlies, and just today they lost to the Suns. These are not games you should be losing, especially when you're fighting for uh, a playoff spot. And this is why I, I share the same feelings as you, you do. I don't think as long as the Lakers, uh, I mean, lose games against teams that they should win against, I don't think they make the playoffs. And a good like a good um, opposite view of this is the, the Clippers. The Clippers are winning games they're supposed to win. They beat the Kings last night, and, and, and obviously that's a bigger win than than most games because the Kings are in the ninth seed. In direct seed. competition with in them. In yeah. direct competition with them. They're the ninth seed while the Clippers are the eighth seed and blah, blah, blah. But the, the point I'm trying to make is even when they traded their best player, they're still winning games they're supposed to win. And that's, sometimes that's what it takes to, to make the playoffs.
1: Well, here's the problem for the Lakers. like Fundamentally, they have lost all of the games that they need to win in order to make the playoffs now in order for them to make up ground they have to beat teams they're not projected to win against and if they're playing this poorly against teams they're supposed to beat there's no it's not conceivable to me that they're going to suddenly pick up the slack and beat a bunch of teams they're not supposed to so, like at that point, from a probabilistic perspective, I don't think that the Lakers have a uh, shot of making the playoffs at this point. Now, there is an argument to be made that that may be better for them because they have a chance at a at a higher draft pick. And right now, I think they're slotted around the thirteenth pick for next year's draft, which is actually not an insignificant player. They can hit on that, and maybe that's the you know that's part of their next core around LeBron beyond, you know, whatever they can get off the free agent bargain bin and Anthony Davis if they're lucky enough to somehow land him from the Pelicans. Although I do believe that that outcome is more likely now than it was two weeks ago, and we'll talk about that in the Celtics section. Hmm. But the team looks lackluster on the road. But in general, I think what's ailing this team is there is a dysfunction of chemistry due to the whole Rich Paul, Anthony Davis Saga.
0: Really, I mean, you th- you think that has
1: had an effect on uh,
0: the younger guys?
1: No, I think it's had an effect on the veterans, not on the younger guys. Oh dear. Uh, the younger guys are actually picking up the slack. Brandon Ingram has looked fantastic. He oh, looks geez. he looks the best he has ever looked in his career. He's right been now. great. He's been he's over been, the past four yeah. or five games. So yeah. he's been phenomenal, and he really looks like the player that we had hopes for coming to LA when he was drafted with the number two pick, and people have been really down on Brandon Ingram this year for whatever reason, I will never understand. Like, I understand that sometimes he's passive. Sometimes he just looks like he's floating along on the offense. But at the end of the day, the dude's like a 6'9", 6'10", small forward with ball handling skills. Like, you don't find that player very often in the NBA. And in addition, he's a great defender. So, or, well, let's say he's a good defender with defensive, uh, with progress being able to be made on defense as well. So given that prospect... You know, that's a valuable player. So I just don't understand why people are so out on him. And these last four or five games have really given us an indication of why and what his level of talent really is. And I think he will be a good player in this league.
0: And, and it's very interesting because uh, Jeannie Buss, she's at the MIT Sloan conference, uh, the analytics conference that happens every year at MIT, and uh, there, there was a panel interview with, uh, I think, with Rick Gruzbeck who is the uh, uh, owner of the Celtics, and Jeannie Buss, who's the owner of the, I mean, the, uh, I guess she's the CEO of the Lakers uh what, one thing that she said was that uh the media the i mean the media sort of uh, manufactured these trade rumors and it hurt the, that that is pretty much what hurt the team and i i don't understand that because it was your guy lebron james and his agent that sort of made these trade rumors permeate when they didn't when it it didn't have to it didn't have to come to this and uh I think your point is interesting, that it has affected the veterans more than, um, than the younger guys. So I, I, let's put yeah. it this
1: way. Like Rajon Rondo has really struggled. Uh, besides the, the one game that they won where he had, I think, 16 assists or 17 assists, uh, he's been he's been pretty terrible over the past four or five games other than that one good game. And uh, they've gotten not very much from their other veterans. Lance Stevenson hasn't done much. JaVale McGee, despite having a good game tonight, overall has really slowed down from where he was at the beginning of the season. Tyson Chandler is not really giving them much. They traded away Evita Zubats, which I never really understood, uh, simply because he was a body that you could have thrown in that would have given you more energy. Uh, So really, for them to win games, they need superhuman performances from LeBron, really good performances from Brandon Ingram, and really good performances from Kyle Kuzma, and decent performances from the veterans. All of that occurring in one game is like us winning... Every single bet on a line in a single day—it's just not very likely.
0: It's not happened yet, guys. So,
1: <laughs> so we're probably going to lose on that every single time, and that is borne out this year or in this in this last five games—they've only won. So we can clearly see the Lakers, their chances of making the playoffs are very very low. So I truly believe they're not going to make the playoffs, and I don't think that that's this brain trust of Rob Plink and Magic Johnson has shown me anything to make me believe they're going to be able to put a contender around LeBron James within, over the next three years. And uh, finally, I would say the only success that they've really had, in my opinion, is actually getting LeBron James to sign. And that was due more to LeBron wanting to come to LA than anything they did. So they've struck out on the major things that they wanted to do. They couldn't even get an interview or a, an interview with Paul George. So like that's a huge thing. Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to come to LA. I mean, you can only have so many opportunities and strike out on them before I say, hey, you're not doing a great job at the current moment. So I think uh, Rob Pelinka and Magic Johnson have a little bit of accountability in terms of the direction that the Lakers are going and the situation that they're in.
0: Absolutely, and, and we'll see what you know, personnel moves they make in the future. But with that, I, I wanted to move on to the other half of the story, and that's the Boston Celtics. And coming out of the All-Star break, they, I, I mean, they have not looked good on the court. Now they've lost to teams like Milwaukee. Toronto and Portland, who who are, who are teams, to, teams, yeah. you know, teams that are, are playing well right now, and uh, obviously, I mean, you don't want to put the losses on the on on the Celtics too much, but it's more about the vibe around the team after the game, post game interviews, pre game interviews, interviews in general, where they're acting very condescending. They're saying they're, I mean, it's not fun. I mean, Marcus Morris made the point that they're not having fun anymore. I know that was before the All-Star break, and uh, every interview with Kyrie Irving is, is sort of a lackluster moment.
1: Or it gives us fodder for another, Kyrie's leaving, Kyrie's not coming back, this team's going to fall apart. And it
0: just creates a bunch of distractions. Absolutely. So, you know, Vikram, take it away. Yeah, yeah
1: I mean, the, the truth is this team is very distracted, and it, a lot of it falls directly on Kyrie Irving's shoulders. He's supposed to be the leader of this team. He's supposed to be the guy who who rallies the troops who sends all these guys and makes them play their roles and all that stuff, but he's not able to define that for himself, and he's not able to define that for the rest of the team. And as a leader, that's one of the things you have to do. So his failing in that area has really made it difficult for his team. The other thing is, when you have young players who are very talented on your team, you have to find ways to maximize their talents. That's what leadership is. It is it is inspiring the people around you. And instead of doing that, he's done like the exact opposite. At every single turn, he tends to make comments that are off putting to the people around him. So I think that's the that's the major issue and it doesn't really take very much. In my opinion, if he had basically said, "I believe in my guys, we're going to figure it out, things are going to turn around," that has a, a way of actually happening. But when you say everybody got to step up, you know, I should be taking the final shot. I didn't like that play call. When you say stuff like that, it's just, it's so off-putting to the rest of the people on your team. Especially given the fact that this team, without you, carried you to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. I'm
0: I'm not, I'm not, I don't remember the quote exactly, but Marcus Smart said something, and Kyrie said that that's Marcus's opinion, or or, or something very condescending uh, like that. So, um, w- what was that quote? Do you remember?
1: I don't But remember exactly. I just remember... But him. there's just
0: like a plethora of these moments. Plethora, it's, sorry.
1: Yeah, the real issue is just that at the end of the day, as the leader of your team, as the best player on your team, you have to step it up for yourself and then hold yourself and everybody else accountable. A
0: lot of people compare Kyrie to Kobe. Is Is the leadership styles of both of those players also comparable in this way? Like Kobe, I mean, uh, I mean, we we're obviously going off hearsay here, but he would not sit with his teammates. He sort of led by example more than led by, you know, led led by like his voice in the locker rooms, so to speak. Sure, yeah. I mean,
1: I think there's a couple of really major differences. The first is, so one thing about Kobe was, you know, he's a gym rat. You expected him to, you know, he was the first guy in, last guy out. Was meticulous, super hardworking, all that stuff. I don't know that that's not true of Kyrie Irving, but I've never heard it. About, I heard that about him in particular. Mm. So, like, even perception is everything, not just from you know members of the media like us, but even for your own teammates. So, like, that's the other kind of question I have: is like, what else is he doing for the team that that inspires those people, like his teammates, to actually? perform at their highest level. Because right now what the Celtics need to do is to figure out how as a team they can reach their highest potential. Because we had a conversation earlier this week about do the Celtics look better from an offensive and defensive perspective without Kyrie Irving on the floor? And it's, and, a, it's
0: a valid argument. Yeah, and
1: sometimes they do. Obviously, Kyrie Irving is one of the best players in this game from an offensive perspective. And he's he's really improved on defense while he's been in Boston. Like, individually, he's still phenomenal and fantastic. And you would want him on any any team, especially in clutch moments. He has a history of performing in those moments. But the idea that day in, day out, you need to lead as the best player on your team. That's the issue that I see with Kyrie Irving. And the big takeaway that I have over this last you know, two-month period with Kyrie is I don't think he's going to come back to Boston. And that's pretty fair because he didn't have Boston on the list of teams he wanted to go to when he left Cleveland. So he, he was traded to a place that he didn't really want to be, like it wasn't on his original list. And now they're not playing to what his standard is or what he expects. The team is underperforming, certainly, based on what they had expected for this year. And so I don't know that he has a, a ton of incentive to want to stay in uh, in Boston. And given that, that completely changes the outlook for what the Celtics are going to do moving forward. Because I truly believe if, if Kyrie Irving does not come back to Boston, there's no way that Danny Ainge is trading Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis.
0: And another thing I want to hone on with respect to Kyrie Irving is the performances of Gordon Hayward with or without Kyrie Irving, and they're night and day. With without Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward is leading the team in scoring, and he's looking closer and closer to the the player that he was with the Utah Jazz. When Kyrie Irving is in the lineup, Gordon Hayward tends to struggle, and I did, I do not know if it's because of the minutes reduction, the the, the type of role that he's playing. But it seems that Kyrie Irving has a negative effect on his play as well. Well, they're but, both
1: players that uh, that are ball dominant. Sure. Although, in although, fairness, although, Kyrie Irving is a fantastic off-ball player too. And uh, Gordon Hayward can certainly spot up. But I mean, I think Gordon Hayward's best trade is... I believe he's the best playmaker on this team. Maybe it's between him and, and like Al Horford. Kyrie Irving, in that sense, is not a traditional point guard. And... Um, and so, when you have another player like Kyrie Irving that has the ball in their hands a lot when they're on the floor, it makes it hard for Gordon Hayward to get into the set and run the set play that Brad Stevens has, has planned up. So one of the things that's hard is is Brad Stevens truly believes in an egalitarian offense, and that is ill suited in some ways to somebody like uh, Kyrie Irving, whose defining characteristic and trade is his ability to play ISO create something out of nothing and play in the flow of an offense versus through set plays so i mean it's not the perfect fit in terms of personnel there either and so like that's just more of a stylistic thing but i think that's probably an issue uh for for kyrie and with the celtics offense in general and that's why it, it tends to look more fluid and cleaner when he's off the floor at some points but Wait. going back to your, your kobe comparison yeah the big difference I see between the two is you could count on Kobe Bryant to lock up or attempt to lock up the best player on the on the opposing team. And that's true. And Kyrie's not able to do that. And that's just not his game. I and mean, he's also, you know, six, yeah, I mean, three, that's part six, of his stature, his yeah, like, p- p- position. Like, absolutely. Yeah. And that's not—it's not a reasonable expectation for that either. So sure. that, that's the other thing.
0: So where do you think the Celtics finish?
1: You know, I I think they're probably going to finish where they are. If they can try to.
0: And they're fifth, by the way. Yeah,
1: yeah I think the only. There's a potential chance that they finish uh, in fourth and the Indiana Pacers drop to fifth. But I don't think they're going to overtake the 76ers at this point. So I think it'll break out with the Bucks being first, the Raptors being second, the 76ers being third, and them being fourth.
0: And you mentioned the Pacers have a very tough schedule, but they they seem to be floating on water, so far. But I mean, we'll we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, I, I, they think, lost I think I think,
1: huh? They lost tonight. They
0: they did lose tonight, and uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see where it, where it goes. But obviously, you got the Bucks, the Raptors, the Sixers, and maybe the Celtics coming fourth after that.
1: Yep, I believe that's probably the most likely outcome. And, it's possible they jump over the uh, over the Sixers, who are you know facing their own struggles without Joel Embiid, and it's also possible that the Pacers stay, uh, actually stay in third or fourth place because they're still managing to play very competitive basketball even without Victor Oladipo.
0: Yeah, the, the standings watch in the Eastern Conference will be something that we watch right in, in the coming weeks.
1: The Celtics at all costs. It's basically true for any of these top four teams. They really want to avoid two matchups against the other really, really good teams uh, before the last two rounds. So like those are the types of things I think are, are really going to be tough for those guys is that they don't really want to play... They don't want to play two really hard matchups. But I think it'll be... The East The East playoffs after the first round are going to be absolutely phenomenal. We've talked about it as at Slugfest. That's absolutely the truth. And uh,
0: speaking of the Slugfest, our next topic is going to be to- talking about a certain team that's involved in that slugfest, oh, yeah. and that's uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And they had a big Friday, and they did several things that uh, caught the eye, so to speak. So we're going to go over all of those things. So Paul Gasol, he was bought out by the San Antonio Spurs. Unhappy with his role in San Antonio, really. And uh, he decided to sign with the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, go figure, go figure who would think that somebody would go decide to sign with the Milwaukee Bucks, but here we are. I, mean, I guess they're a free agent destination now.
1: Well, they're a free agent destination for players who want to win, for sure. And uh, they absolutely should be. They're the best team in the NBA. Uh, the other piece of news is they were the first team for the season to clinch a playoff spot, so that's good on on them. Uh, the Pau Gasol signing, I think, is kind of interesting. Pau, at this point of his career, kind of is a well worse version of of uh, Brook Lopez. In the very similar rim protectory, can shoot threes way, but I don't expect him to play a lot of minutes.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I feel that DJ Wilson is much more apt in that role. Maybe Pal Gasol was brought in to play in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not, like, not 100% sure. Yeah, like maybe it's an experience thing. I read a, a Woj tweet that basically said that Paul Gasol is being brought in because of, of, of his playoff experience and his leadership in the locker room.
1: And that, that, that and that's might be a fair good point. Reason. If you've got yeah. a roster spot, why not sign a guy like Paul Gasol, who is a champion, who's played at the highest levels in the NBA, and who still has a little bit left if you need a backup big? Uh, in all honesty, like you said, DJ Wilson, Nikola Meritich is obviously a better option. Right. yeah. Uh, but I do think he can probably find some spot minutes on this team. Doing exactly what Brooke Lopez does in terms of providing that rim protection as a guy who's just gonna stand there that you can funnel people into. Cause his entire career, he's averaged, you know, almost uh, you know a block and a half to two blocks a game every season just standing there not jumping. So like his arms haven't gotten shorter in his old age. Like the idea that you can funnel defense and he can lay back and pick and roll coverages, that's totally true. So like I think he fits that scheme. And on offense, he can certainly shoot three-pointers. So, I mean, I could see the, the, the general logic in bringing him in from like a basketball perspective, too. Although I would agree with you, I would might prefer playing a Nikola Miritich at center or a DJ Wilson as a backup big. So we'll see what they do with him. But I think it's a good idea to have more veteran presences, especially with a team that's as young as the Bucks, who are ahead of their schedule from what I see. Uh, we should also cover the other big news for them, which is that they uh, extended Eric Bledsoe.
0: Absolutely, and uh, one point guard in particular is not going to be hitting the free agent market come July first because he has signed. The Milwaukee Bucks extended Eric Bledsoe, and the the contract is four years, seventy million dollars, and he has $10 dollars million, $10 million in incentive, so it could go up to eighty million. But I mean, this is the type of the middle of the road deal that you could get in the middle of the season and Eric Blitzo like he wants to be here hey, I, I I remember that tweet four years, yeah yeah, I remember that tweet like uh, when he was in Phoenix that he said that I don't want to be here well he it seems like he definitely wants to be here and he, he finds a home here and uh Obviously, he's been having an up-and-down year in terms of offensive statistics, but one thing about Eric Bledsoe that you know is going to be there on a nightly basis is his defense.
1: And his effort.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, and he's a he's a buck for the next four years.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless he gets traded, which is always possible. But in my estimation, this is a really good contract uh, for both the Bucks and Eric Bledsoe. First of all, it's good money for, for Bledsoe. He's averaging, you know, somewhere around... 17 and a half million a year so like that's pretty good uh that's what you would expect from a mid-tier starting point guard so like that's pretty significant i think that's actually exactly where he should be paid and like that's important we you always need 48 minutes of competent point guard play for every single team and he is absolutely worth that money so i think that's important you know, right now, he, he is coming into his prime. These four years are going to be his prime and a little bit into his post-prime. He's 29 right now. You can expect a point guard to slow down at 31-ish. So I think the first two years are going to be really good. At least these next two years are going to be pretty good. Uh, the last two years might be a little bit iffy depending on where he goes because a lot of his game is based on that athleticism. But to, to lock someone like him in for the next four years at a reasonable rate, I think is really good for the Bucs. Uh, I'm happy that they're going to be able to retain him. Hopefully they'll be able to retain Middleton and they can continue the run that they're on with a team that's similar. So I think that's going to be like, this is the first step in them forming a team that is going to be able to compete in the East year to year to year. So that's important for them. So, and I don't think that there's a better point guard for their system right now.
0: Well, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I mean, the bang for your buck that you're getting with Eric Bledsoe yeah, is... Yeah, I mean, in, in
1: the sense like good. you need a defensive point guard that can also play, can do some stuff on offense. Right, like ideally
0: you would like a defensive point guard who is more of a floor spacer than Eric Bledsoe. Er, I mean... He's, he's not the best shooter, and, that, and, that's, and that's sort of his drawback, and that's probably why he felt compelled to accept such a contract, but it's definitely a good contract on both sides, and Hey, if Eric Bledsoe, if he if he wanted to be uh, a buck, th- I mean, this is this is probably the best contract he, he would get versus going on the open market, and 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 seeing his value value there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because he's about a thirty two percent three point shooter. So you're right; like he's not a great shooter, but again, it's it's worth having somebody like him that has been around for a long time is a good defender. The idea that you want you basically want a 3 and D guy at like every position including point guard. Like that's that's such a hard ask to say that we're going to do better than Eric Bledsoe on the open market. The other thing is I don't know that there would have been another team that necessarily would have paid him this much either.
0: Exactly, and that's that's probably why he was compelled to take such a contract.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I I also think the same is true for Milwaukee. I don't think that they were going to get another point guard of his caliber for the same money. So uh, unless you're like moving
0: a, unless you're committed to moving Malcolm Brogdon to that spot. Which, right. Which I mean
1: I don't necessarily disagree with either. So like Malcolm Brogdon's future with the Bucks is probably the biggest question that I have. Hmm. Especially since he's going to you know as a second round pick. He's really good, dude. He's Oh he's, he, he's a phenomenal player and his, yeah. he's a definitely a plus plus shooter. So I think that's going to be very interesting for the Bucks to see what they do with the with Brogdon. And we'll have to see what their team looks like going into this free agency period. I think this free agency is going to be very crucial for the Bucks because, you know, they got another year with Giannis to prove to him that he should take the Supermax with them. Or they'll end up in a, a very sticky Anthony Davis-like situation because I think Giannis is the next superstar that right. can really shift where the league is going. Like, will, the, Buc- will the Bucks
0: go over the cap? Will they sign pieces that improve the depth of this team because I, I, I think the core of this team is already set. But again, like they, they have to they have to re-sign Middleton. They they sort of have to re uh Bigram spinning the mic. No, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as I was saying, uh they I mean they gotta re sign Middleton. which I think they will they got to re-sign Lopez as well. I think I I think Brook Lopez is a much higher free agent come out, and that that be than once thought.
1: Absolutely, he's and, reinvented his game and to great effect.
0: And uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, will he keep the pieces around him? And and and, and, and that's the sort of thing that's going to convince Giannis that he should
1: stay. So, but I, I do think the difference between you know them and the Pelicans is they've been very competent in terms of building a team that makes sense given what Giannis's talents are, and if he's watching that, and I'm sure he is, he should see that the team has been willing to put pieces around him that actually fit and make sense, and they've had requisite amount of success. They're the best team in the NBA right now, and they've looked like the best team in the NBA right now, and that's due not only to them bringing in a competent coach, but also maximizing his talents, and then also bringing in pieces that fit, like Ursan Elisova and Brook Lopez, uh, picking up Nikola Meretic, trading away four second-round picks for him, bringing in a veteran like Paul Gasol. Like these are only things that can help keep Giannis in Milwaukee. But that being said, the lure of other cities is pretty large, especially when they're all going to be willing to offer you the max contract that you are so deserving of. So it's going to be a fight to basically hold him. But I think they're doing a great job in doing that. But ultimately, it depends on what happens in the playoffs. And this isn't just true of the Bucks, but also of the Celtics and the 76ers end of the Raptors like I don't think we've ever had a scenario at least in our recent memory where what happens in the playoffs will dramatically alter what happens to the stage of all of these franchises during this offseason so like we talk about something like the 76ers their window is probably this year with the core of that's very that's very true Butler Harrison and Bede. right so (laughs) this is it for them uh, when you talk about the Celtics, the whole Kyrie issue is gonna is gonna be front and center at this off season. and I believe that they're not gonna make it as far or have a you know a second round exit. So this team may not be the same after this summer. I mean, I mean,
0: Vikram is all about Kyrie living, leaving a uh, Danny Ainge at the altar on July 1st.
1: I believe that's most likely because he's going to command significant interest on the free market, including in New York where he's been tied to there for how long, you know? Yeah, sure. I just, I I think it's just so unlikely that Kyrie stays in, in Boston. So the
0: Bucks, they, they have the brightest future. If they take care of it in, well, the, right, in, the, in the right way. I think the, and, we, we also have to look yeah, at the Raptors. Too. And the most stable future. Yes, uh, the, I yeah.
1: definitely agree that they have the most stable future and the best chance of keeping their superstar. Because I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Kawhi Leonard is going to stay in Toronto. I think Toronto is doing a phenomenal job at marketing themselves as a team where Kawhi would like to stay. But ultimately, if he wants to return home to LA to either the Clippers or the Lakers, probably the Clippers... You know, that's it's a hard argument to make that you shouldn't do that in the first place. And but the Raptors are, are fighting the good fight, and they've really done a good job in making a team that's competitive with Danny Green having a, a bounce back season this year, probably because he's not hurt. Uh, with Kyle Lowry doing his thing like he does every year, uh, with Pascal Siakam emerging as most likely the most improved player, and then bringing in Marcus All Like, these are all moves that are, are fantastic and show that you have a, a, an ownership group, and a front office that is dedicated to making your team better and as competitive as possible. I mean, these are all things that can only help you keep Kawhi Leonard. But again, that team looks very, very different based on what occurs in the playoffs. Will Marc Gasol want to stay there? Will Kawhi Leonard re-sign? Uh, can you get, with, with Kyle Lowry and Danny Green getting up there in years, can they maintain the same level of impact? I mean, those are the types of questions that are going to be Absolutely. very interesting for the Raptors. But given all of those concerns for these other teams, the Bucks look like not only did they have a great week this week, but they look like they're going to be well-situated for uh, for the future to come. And Ignore it, the fact that they lost tonight. Right. But. <laughs> right.
0: And uh, we'll see if they, they finish with the number one seed in the East. Most likely they will. And we'll see how they do in the playoffs because Giannis has not gotten past the first round. So Yeah, I'm so really hoping
1: to see a Bucks warriors uh, finals NBA series. NBA Finals. Yeah,
0: and, and, and we'll see. We'll see. So and, with that, we move on to our, our next topic. And uh, this next topic is a little something we like to do every couple of weeks. It's called the Rookie Report. <laughs> and we, we like to discuss rookies that have really caught our eye and um, have come on on the scene. And yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much what we want to, want to talk about here. And one rookie in particular that's really caught our eye is a rookie named Trey Young. And he plays for the Atlanta Hawks. And... He has been um, sort of um, criticized in a way because he he was drafted um, by the Dallas Mavericks number five, and he was part of that Luka Doncic trade. And people were saying, "Oh, you'll never live up to Doncic." He, he, he's, I mean, Doncic looks like the next next big international player, and, and here's this little six one guy named Trey Young. But ever since then, he has really stepped up to the play, Trey Young. And as, ever since the All Star game, All Star break, he's looked like a different player. He looks more comfortable with the with the NBA game in general. So, uh, Vikram, tell t- tell me your thoughts on Trey Young and how he really changes the trajectory for the Hawks. Because I mean, we thought the Hawks were in in the beginning of a very long rebuilding period. They could make the playoffs as early as next year.
1: Oh yeah, depending on what they do in free agency, yeah. I think they have all of the talent in the world.
0: And, and and people are saying that the Hawks are going to be players in free agency this year because of how this year has turned out for them, like better better than anticipated.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for Trey Young was, you know, you it takes time to figure out what your game is going to be in the NBA, and I think over the first, you know, going up till about the All Star break. We found out that Trey Young is a phenomenal passer, and that is one skill that he had in college that translated directly to the NBA. His ability to find his teammates has been absolutely phenomenal, and he is a point guard in that in in the true sense of that ability. Him, him to find and John
0: people. Collins are the pick and roll combo for the future. Oh
1: yeah, and yeah. I I believe like his passing is going to be the single best skill that he has in the NBA. Like even beyond his you know, range that he showed in college and all that stuff. I think passing is his his primary skill. Now I will say he struggled shooting the ball at the beginning of the year. But over the last ten games, he's averaging twenty six points. His three point percentage for this year is up to about thirty three and a half percent. And given where he'd started from the year, which was, you know, in the in the low twenties, he's really come up he's really come around. And so his performance and the way that he's playing now with the level of confidence that he has, the better finishing on the inside, the better shooting overall, I think Trey Young is going to be a great player in the NBA and he's going to be a very solid point guard for years to come. Now, will he and Luka be you know the same? Who will have the better career? Who won the trade? All of those things are unknown as of yet, especially because we have to evaluate what Atlanta is going to do in the next draft where they have two lottery picks instead of one, but it really looks like Trey Young is going to be the backbone of this Atlanta team for a long time to come, and I think that they should be very excited about what's going to happen in the future because of him. And like you commented, the rest of the team too is very interesting, uh, and they have a lot of a lot of people that are going to make an impact for them, like long and short term. I really have enjoyed watching this year Kevin Herter play. I think that's a good backcourt combination, and he's another rookie. Yeah, I mean, defensively, they make me a little queasy. <laughs> Uh, but you know, that's just something that they're gonna have to develop uh for the future. I really, really like what John Collins does and I like how he's he eats up space. He's a fantastic rim runner, he's a great pick and roll partner with Trey Young. So I think they have they have a young core that is going to be exciting for the future. Add a couple lottery picks next year, looks like they're gonna get and, a top. And, five and their pick draft too. last
0: year looking more uh looking at it more and more was fantastic. They, yeah, they, you they, know, they they got two core pieces. And so, Young and Herder, and uh, obviously they also drafted Wari Spellman uh, l- later in the first round. Who I mean, he could be a bench player. I think
1: on. he at best he's going to be a, a bench player, a bench big who can shoot.
0: But but to tap three first round picks and have have it like pan out the way
1: it has. That's I it. think they they have to be excited. And so when Travis Schlenk talks about the the Luka Doncic trade, the concept was we know Luka Doncic is going to be good. We don't know how good he's going to be let's give ourselves more bites at the apple to get more stars or superstars. And so like that was the underlying argument as to, as to why they made the Trae Young trade. And I think it's worked out for both sides. Like would any team want Luka Doncic? Absolutely. But the idea that hey, let's get Trae Young, who is an exciting player and the way he's panned out this year, I think has has basically said, "You know what? I think the trade was okay." Even right now, Trey Young is is a good prospect, and he's playing great basketball, and he has a lot of plus talent in the NBA. He had 16 assists to go with 49 points in that quadruple overtime special against the Bulls. But the idea that next draft, you're going to get your own pick, which I think Luka Doncic would have made this team a better team overall. So you probably would have gotten a, a worse pick because Luka Doncic this year has been the better player. And then on top of that, you pick up the Dallas pick as well. And so a combination of those two things, I think, is going to make this a, a plus trade.
0: Right. And, uh, and with that, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if we move on to the next, but we move on to the next rookie. And, and the next rookie that we're going to talk about is uh, Mitchell Robinson. And we bring him up because uh, there, was an, uh, there was an article out, um, I mean, a quote by Mitchell Robinson. And uh, basically what he said was uh, that he wants to average six blocks a game. Now, he's a very interesting rookie because he was a second-round pick, and he, he came out of Western Kentucky, but he never played at Western Kentucky, which is why he became a second-round pick. But he has like infinite talent. He has arms that last for days. He is able to shoot the three, but he's a very raw player, and he's a guy that the Knicks have to develop. Or maybe he's a trade piece for the future. But talk about Mitchell Robinson for a little bit.
1: So I think per thirty-six minutes, he's averaging like five point four or five point five blocks. So uh, the idea that if you scale up his minutes, he could theoretically uh, get to that six blocks a game. You know, while while I think that measure is unrealistic, and uh, his biggest problem at this point is how foul prone he is. You give him a pump fake, and he's jumping for joy. Uh, I think that's something that he will develop uh, in his NBA career. Uh, with the discipline and the NBA coaching and uh, a summer and an offseason with uh, going into a sophomore season, really working on some of those defensive fundamentals. I think that's important for him. But not only is he solid as a defensive big, his ability to rim run, uh, his ability to work as a partner with, with whoever the Knicks point guard of the future is going to be, I think is going to be really, really valuable. Uh, I don't know that he's ever going to be a plus shooter outside of the paint immediately with dunks and rim runs but that player is still really really valuable in today's nba and i think he's got a really bright future as a defending and athletic finishing big and so like that's the big thing for me and i think he has outperformed what the expectations were for him and that's the most important thing
0: absolutely and uh like mitchell robinson whenever i've seen him uh from a from a fantasy perspective because I mean that's how I, I look at I look at these players. He gets a lot of blocks for sure, but he also fouls a lot. Mm-hmm. So I mean it, like limiting his fouls is going to be the key to him staying on the floor.
1: So I and, think that is yeah. the single biggest player development task that David Fisdale and the New York Knicks staff have over the next couple of years is to make him foul less. I think if you can sum it up as to what some of their player priorities have to be, making him foul less and making him be able to stay on the floor more is going to be their top priority. He's one of the most promising prospects that they have on that team right now, which is kind of unfortunate, but that's that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. But between him and Dennis Smith Jr., there are no shortage of highlights right now at Madison Square Garden. Right.
0: Absolutely. And uh, we'll see whether he's part of the future with the Knicks. Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty there, or maybe maybe it is certain. We just don't know about it. Yeah,
1: so, but he's uh, got the talent. But he's, he's definitely, definitely got the, got the talent.
0: talent, and uh, and we will see how he blossoms in the coming years. One guy who has definitely blossomed uh, as the season has gone on is uh, Marvin Bagley. Oh, yeah. The second pick for the Sacramento Kings. He's a guy who 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 is sort of uh, not playing very much at the beginning of the season. He got hurt quite a bit never really made made his role for the Kings but uh obviously he got hurt recently uh in a game against the uh w- w- in what game did he get hurt god uh, it was the game before the clippers game anyways yep, he's he sprained his knee he's playing his knee he got hurt this past week so that possibly ended the kings playoff hopes because he was playing really well
1: oh yeah i mean he- i think the big thing for bagley was we weren't sure what his what he was going to look like in the NBA from both an offensive and defensive perspective. Uh, he showed me a lot in terms of his hustle, his rebounding, his ability to, to be somewhere on the floor on defense. And then offensively, he's improved his offensive game. He, we already knew he was a capable offensive player, uh, but his ability to now... Uh, he started finishing with his offhand. He started, he's started. he got a great spin move to his right hand against the Warriors. He's a fantastic offensive rebounder. He takes up a lot of space and finishes well. I mean, the sky's the limit for Bagley, and he has improved immeasurably over the season. And I think uh, what Dave Yeager did in terms of not starting him and moving him from the bench and really introducing him slowly, more slowly, into the NBA has really helped his development. And I think... That's going to be his, the front court of him and Giles in the future is going to be a lot of fun. That team's got a lot of young talent with uh, Bogdanovich and De'Aaron Fox, Giles and Bagley. Like you're looking at that healed, core. Healed,
0: buddy. Oh, well, buddy, buddy, healed, buddy young. Yep. Well, buddy, healed.
1: You know, age two, two years in one day. But yeah. <laughs> you know, the idea like that young core is phenomenal, and I think they're going to be very, very successful uh, coming up in the next couple of years. And I think that they have a, a good window of playoff competition coming up and i i really hope that they're able to win enough to make the playoffs this year over the lakers i'm
0: so excited about the kings oh yeah this is the first and, time
1: we've had a good kings team like and, since and, we've and, been following and, basketball and, and, and they have
0: such a great future vivek ranadive don't screw it up please don't go and sign some middling free agent for big money and think you're helping the kings don't do it yeah i uh don't ruin your cap space I don't, actually don't, like- don't handicap your future
1: I like the idea of bringing, hopefully, potentially bringing back Harrison Barnes sure. at like a at, a at a reasonable price. He's reasonable. already made his money, but like if you can sign Harrison Barnes for like fifteen mil a year for the next three or four years, and you know get some sort of option, that might even be a little low. But I mean, I think I think there's definitely some wiggle room and, to and have. I, Harrison and Barnes I think Harrison
0: back. Barnes would do that. One of the reasons being, by the end of the year, he might not be the best Harry on his team.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. That might be a little over the top, but I, I don't know that Harrison Barnes necessarily solves their uh, their long term problem at the three right now. So I think that's probably the one area of concern that the uh, that the Kings have from like a personnel perspective is to get a three man that can you know suck up a lot of minutes at that position. Because I do believe that uh, that Harrison Barnes' best position at this time is is the four. And so, like that, makes it a little rough because you have a, an abundance of front court talent with uh, with Bagley and Giles as well. So and it, Willie Cauley Stein. If you sign I, him, I, yeah. I believe they're going to let him walk. Hmm. I just think that the archetype for for what Willie Cauley Stein is is replaceable enough, where you can get close without having to pay a guy like twelve million a year. And sure, I don't think sure. he's better than a than a use of Nurkic, for example. So I don't know that he's going to be willing to come back to Sacramento for what I think he's going to command from them in terms of a contract. And that's one of the first areas that I hope uh, Vivek Rendive does not screw up and you know bring him back for something like $12 million a year. I don't think that it would be worth it to do that, mm-hmm. especially when you have prospects that are going to be best as centers. So I think in the future, Marvin Bagley should probably play center and a up something like a De'Aaron Fox... Uh, Buddy Heel, Bogdanovich, Harrison Barnes, and then Bagley. And Bagley,
0: and then so, slowly, build, bring Giles back right, into the yeah, fold. Yeah, and because, then you know
1: Giles still's got a lot of work to do. He looked fantastic this year, but you, you but can you cannot forget
0: you, you cannot forget the knee injuries that he suffered mm-hmm. back in high school and college. Uh, you, you sort of you sort of had to slowly bring him into the fold. Absolutely, maybe you start him at some point, but.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, that but, may just that's, be a closing that's the, lineup. Right? That's,
0: like, that's in the distant future, I think. Yeah,
1: and I think they there is a need for them to bring in another three-man in order to get the rotation as solid as possible. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that they they have the makings of a team with a really solid depth chart, and they're going to be exciting. And I hope that they're successful in the future and that Bagley continues to have a productive season. And I hope he can come back from his injury uh, as soon as possible.
0: Uh, okay, so uh, with that, we're we're going to end this podcast right now. And, uh, obviously, uh, we, we went over a, a lot of things. We had, we had a lot of discussion, let's just say, especially <laughs> about the, the Lakers and the Celtics, uh, next week, uh, some, uh, so just to give you guys a preview, we might be talking about Adam Silver at the NA- MIT Sloan sports, uh, analytics conference and some things that he had to say about changes he wanted to make to the NBA next week is supposed to be a lighter week, I guess so we're going to be discussing that those things and what those changes might mean for the NBA and what how the players might react to that and uh and yeah so that's that's pretty much all I have for you guys uh Vikram you, you got anything to say yep. to our listeners
1: so first thing have a wonderful night to everybody and uh, i imagine you guys are going to be listening to this sometime in the morning but have a wonderful day for all of you listening uh the biggest thing again Please, if you have any feedback or comments or questions or concerns, follow Ballistic us. Ballisticpodcast uh, at gmail.com. Yep, ballisticpodcast at gmail.com. We will absolutely answer every email we get. And, you know, leave us a review, leave us a rating, and please subscribe. Yes. That, I mean, that's
0: words of wisdom right there from Bikram. And uh, for Bikram, uh, I'm Guru. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys soon.
1: Yep, have a good night.